Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast is proudly sponsored by The Terrace the home of retro and fan culture sports merchandise. Check out their range of forest merch by visiting theterrorstore.com or visit them on social media. The 1865 Match Report. Welcome to the 1865 Match Report with me, the Maradona of the Midlands. Today we're looking back at the big lunchtime clash with our beloved local rivals, Derby County. A match where both tempers flared and flares flared. As I'm sure you all know by now, Forrest came out with a 2-1 victory in front of a capacity crowd of over 29,000. Lewis Grabham put them in the lead in the 48th minute and Brennan Johnson uh, wrapped up the win with a a beautiful goal in the 82nd minute. Um, Lawrence scored one back, pulled one back for Derby uh, on 88 minutes uh, through a penalty to leave a tense finish, but Forrest managed to hang on. To put some meat on the bones of those match facts, uh, we are joined today by our very own baby-faced assassin, Stephen Topless. Hi, Stephen. Hello. And also by Lord Barrington of Yorkshire, Baz. Hi, hey, Baz. Hello. Hi. So, um, we'll start... I just wanted to add, sorry, I just want to add, not only did um, tempers flare, flares flared, but I'm wearing flares. Eyes oh, a full hat trick. Hey. <laughs> More flares than when, more flares than uh, a basically rollers concert, you could say. <laughs> anyway, so uh, Stephen, I'll start with you. There's a, a surprising bit of team news to start the day with. Yeah, so Joe Worrell was out of the team, injured. The story is that he will be out now for the next six weeks. Obviously, a key key player out of that starting eleven. But actually, when you when you look at the team as a whole. It wasn't too bad a miss with McKenna and Cook as the as the centre backs and Max Lowe returning to the left hand side of a back four with Jed Spence on the right, Grabin and Davis continuing up front as they did against Millwall last week. And this more conventional four at the back with what the well, the way I saw it was 
the the back four, then three in the middle of Yates, Colback and Garner, and then Johnson and Davis playing just either side of Graben as a, a sort of an attacking front two just through the middle. So a slight change to the formation, but nothing that I disagree with that. Used. Oh, go please, please go ahead, Baz. I'd say we started the game with a back three, um, with Yates playing on the right hand side of the back three, um, but we changed it pretty quickly because it wasn't working. Um, and I'd say Graben probably was playing sort of a, a number ten kind of role to start with, and then it probably shifted within the first fifteen minutes. I mean, the first fifteen minutes, the first half in general was awful. Um, but it, of what we were doing obviously wasn't working and it sort of switched to more of a yeah four three three four two three one kind of thing um, with Ghana sort of playing the number 10 role a little bit. Oh, okay. And um, so would you say Derby were on top in that first period, first 15 minutes or so? I'd say Derby set out to stop us playing and they did that very, very well. And we... Basically, the entire first 45 minutes, I don't think either team strung more than two passes together. Yeah, I, I mean, there's lots of lots of scrappy fouls, I think, and uh, no no real patterns of play. What, why didn't it work so well in the, with the starting formation? Was was the eight a bit too deep? Were we giving them giving them too much control of midfield to Derby? <laughs> um, I, d- I don't know about that. I just they, I think they were playing a back four. And I think, yeah, the, the, the just balance of it was completely wrong and, and it wasn't really sitting right. I was quite surprised as well because Yates was on the on the side and he was... I can see why, Stephen, you'd have thought he was playing in midfield because he kind of sat between the two lines a lot. I think he wasn't really ready for this position yeah, that he was yeah. playing. And before when he's played in the back three, he's played in the centre. And that's kind of... It's, it's fine if the centre center center back moves forward out of line but if if it's the one of the side ones then you need the others to be ready for it and I don't think they were yeah from the sounds of it it doesn't sound like we created much in the first half and and the only real chance fell to Derby is that right Stephen yeah the big chance was actually quite crucial because it fell to the one Derby player who you didn't want it to fall to and that was Tom Lawrence a nice bit of movement passing the ball around on the edge of our box and and it comes to Lawrence in the middle of the penalty box in front of goal and somehow for a player of his ability he drags it wide of the post and and that felt like a bit of a let off for Forrest I wouldn't say that Derby were massively on top I think what they did well was was play a high line which which forced Forrest back and and we almost didn't know how to to combat that to begin with. That team could sort of coming at us and playing more aggressively up the pitch. But I think the had that Derby chance gone in with Lawrence, then we could have seen a very different game. Uh particularly when you consider the the player who was on the end of that chance. I I was expecting the net to bulge and was very surprised when it didn't. Yeah, uh, sounds like a let off for us. Were, were, were there any chances for Forest? Did they, did they have any shots on target on in the first half? I don't think we had anything on target. We had a couple of like half chances. Um, I seem we... to remember Yates having a bit of it. I think yeah. he had a shot that the keeper parried away. I couldn't tell from my position if that was on target or not. But that's the only chance of note I could think of in that yeah. first half, really. There, there wasn't a lot of 
creativity or movement from Forrest really in that first 45. Yeah, in fact, I yeah, think... Tom Lawrence is probably the only player that stood out in the first half and not just for, for his, uh, his missed chance, but right before half time as well. Um, breaking through and Samba goes down. I think it was Cook with him as well. And the three of them all collided together and Reece Samba had the biggest lump on his head. I, I saw a photo of it on Twitter at half time, but he was down for quite a long time and we were all surprised that he was allowed to carry on in the second yes. half. It, I mean, it looked, it looked like something out of a cartoon. It just, <laughs> I think you must have had that uh, penny whistle sound when he, when he got injured. <laughs> <laughs> so I've never seen anything like that in real life. It was like it was lit. if anybody hasn't seen it, it was like having a, an egg, half an egg on on the top of his head. It was huge. It really was a, a massive, massive old lump there. Um, but but he, yeah, he, so I think um, Tom Lawrence there. I think he's 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 kind of pivotal to the entire story of this game. Yeah, <laughs> because of that. Maybe this will go down as a Tom Lawrence derby in future years. Who who knows? Um, the only other sort of talking point that I think we need to mention from the first half was uh, a foul by Lewis Grabham, which he got booked for. But some I've heard some people suggest he maybe could have even got a red card for that. What do you think? It's a, it's a hard one. I did see a replay, always, and it looked as if there was a foot left left in there, but it all happened so quickly. I think it did look like there was a, a foot left in, but I, I wouldn't say that he was doing it recklessly or aggressively enough for it to be a red card I, I didn't think it. I thought um the yellow was a bit of a surprise I thought oh no no it wasn't a surprise but I'd also have said I wouldn't have been surprised if nothing had been given at all so to say it was a red obviously meant you'd seen something that I hadn't seen um was yeah, King Davis the, that thing was out the first half as well I don't know what what happened with Keenan Davis Oh, so he broke through on their keeper and the keeper basically looked like, well, from where I was sat, it looked yeah, like that, oh, that, took oh, yeah, the, uh, that was the first sure, half, yeah. first half as well. But yeah, I think replays have sort of shown that there wasn't any contact, although that might be more to do with Keenan Davis sort of jumping to get out of the way. If, he, if he'd sort of left a leg in there, he would have risked maybe getting injured, but we could have got a sending off for a foul for it as well. But mm-hmm. that's, that's the... Uh, that's the balancing act you have to play as a striker. Um, so that's the first half wrapped up with. Um, second half was a different story, though. Forrest came out flying and, and got an early goal. Uh, can you describe the goal for us, Stephen? Yeah, so Forrest had a free kick about two minutes into the second half. Uh, James Garner puts the ball across towards the back post. It's nodded down by McKenna. I must say, I didn't notice who the player was in the middle of the uh, the penalty area, sort of whose touch played it into the, the path of Grabben. I think it might have been Cook, actually, had, a, had Cook. a deflected effort, uh, which fell to Grabben. And the master finisher in that position, he was never going to miss, was he? He put that one away clinically. And that was the, the perfect start to the second half, considering the 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 stop-start nature of the first to come out and score that goal immediately really gave everybody a lift, I thought. And I yeah. thought um, as well, you could see like this cloud of relief over our players and we immediately started passing the ball after that, that goal went in. Yeah, so I think the occasion had got to them, hadn't they, in that first yeah. half in particular. And I think that goal did release a bit of that. And you, you saw a lot more freedom in that Forest performance after that. So... 
a better performance just brought on by sort of having a bit less pressure on them and uh, the, the sort of freedom to play with with the uh, with the advantage of a goal. Um, would you say Forest dominated the second half after that and play sort of dominated play in possession? Yeah, definitely. Um, especially, I think partly, I think Derby tired because the way they were playing was all about press was not pressing, not like pressing really high up the pitch, but they were very, very closely marking us. And that's what was stopping us playing. So suddenly they had to take control of the game to try and get back into it. But they also, they, they gave us more space so we could then pass the ball about. And we, that also allowed Jed Spence and Brennan Johnson a bit more space and time and their pace and creativity down the right-hand side was what was basically giving us the, the space to go, to go forward and take the game to them. Yeah, and I think we, we maybe added a bit more creativity with uh, Philip Zinkanawa coming on um, after about, I think, about 68 minutes for Keenan Davis. I think it sounds like he helped to create a few more chances as well. Zink did really well. So I was, the, the bloke next to me was furious when Davis went off. Um, or, or we can probably come back to talk about Davis later on because I think he's he's quite um, interesting the way he played. But um, I think basically he's not played much football this season, so he's not really fit. So Zink comes on and he does add, add a load of creativity to us. Um, but it also, it kind of, in a way, it harmed us a little bit to start with because Graben sort of moved up front but Graben being Graben he was then peeling off wide a lot of the time so a lot of our attacks we were finding that the box was empty and there, yeah. there was no one there whereas before Davis was like this pivotal figure right in the centre to, to receive the ball so yes. it, it kind of worked against us a little bit to some extent. If, if, if nothing else Davis does offer a great deal of presence um, but Zinkanagel was um, involved with the second goal, Stephen, uh, Brennan Johnson's goal on 82 minutes. Uh, do you want to just talk us through that? Yeah, and this was a great goal as well. Johnson picked the ball up in his own half, played the ball to Zinkenagel, who carried it. And it's worth watching back the goal, just how much ground Brennan Johnson covers. He goes from his own half to the basically the Derby penalty spot in a matter of seconds. And he's there to finish off the, the cutback from... Zinkenogel first time and he buries it as well right into the into the far corner takes it so well a really well worked goal and pleased for Brennan that he got on the score sheet and also for Zinkenogel as well with the assist it was a really well worked and really nice goal yeah and sorry Bas you want to come in there I, what, I, what I absolutely love about it was that Brennan made it and then he finished it it was yeah. it was that was that was what was great about it he, yeah, it was yeah. a bit of pure vision to spot Zinkenagel making the run and to played this lofted, long crossfield ball to, to open it up. And then to, to have him on the other end of it as well was, was just perfect. Yeah, I mean, if any, anybody's not seen it, it is well worth looking at, uh, watching the goal and finding it somewhere because it, it really is a thing of beauty. Um, after that, we looked in pretty much total control and it looked like it was going to be uh, a nice steady coast to the final whistle until uh, Steve Cook decided to give away a penalty with a silly challenge. Um, uh, you were probably closest to that, Baz. Well, what was he thinking? Well, so uh, but the thing, what really annoyed me about this, and I said this in the WhatsApp group, is um, 
just before. So Derby made this attack and they played like a through ball to, I don't know who it was actually, um, to what's the one there? They're 48, I think it is. So I can't remember what his name is. But, um, and Steve Cook does this brilliant, really, really good move where he pushes his body in between the player and the ball. And just basically his strength knocks the player out of the way. And I was turned to the bloke next to him and went, that was amazing. And then the ball falls to one of the Derby players like a couple of seconds later. And it was Tom Lawrence, wasn't it? The, the, and so the, the ball falls to Tom Lawrence and Cook then goes out towards the side of it and completely mistimes his tackle and just basically takes him out totally late, nowhere near the ball. And there's no way you could deny that it was a, it was a, it was a nailed on penalty, um, completely deserved. And Cook just, I don't know, he, I, I don't know if he was just overconfident after his brilliant move a few seconds earlier or what, but he just lost his head. Yeah, yeah, he he dived in. All, all he really needed to do was sort of stand up and and be tall, um, big and tall, then and, and block the path through to goal. And but just, uh, I think he had one of those psycho moments. He uh, he thought he was uh, Stuart Pearce reincarnated and thought he'd go for a flying tackle, and it didn't go didn't go quite as planned. Uh, that gave Tom Lawrence the uh, chance to pull a goal back from the penalty spot. There's all the usual shenanigans before the penalty, um, as you'd expect with. Uh, Sambering goal, and um, he duly put it away nice and coolly, which sets up a tense finish. And there's lots more shenanigans straight after the penalty. Uh, Stephen, what happened? There seemed to be some sort of melee in the uh, in the in the forest net as they they were trying to re- get the ball back. Yeah, so Tom Lawrence obviously was trying to get the ball back immediately after scoring the penalty, uh, but Samba wouldn't let him do it basically he was uh moved across body checked him blocked him away from getting the ball and suddenly Lawrence takes exception and and it all starts kicking off um, I think Samba actually knocked the ball out of Lawrence's hands uh, he, might, yeah my well that he, was it yeah he reminded me of a volleyball player with that strong right forearm of his today he's <laughs> <laughs> yes. he a character um and uh, that really sort of heated it up for the last uh, few just minutes just to add on on samba so i turned to the bloke next to me and went samba's a real prick isn't he, <laughs> and he went, yeah and then i had had this moment of revelation sam Bree samba is the robbie savage of goalkeeping yeah yeah <laughs> if it i, I mean I, I get annoyed with him just in, well, not so much now, but before we, under the, when he was playing with Sabri, it just when we started wasting so much time, we were one nil up. And he goes, hurry up, just get him, we can score a second goal. And so how annoying it must be for opposition fans, I, I can't yeah. imagine. And the um, thing is, like, we, we, we used to joke that Jack Colback always had, like, a, a yellow card every two games, but it's Bree Samba that gets the yellow card every yeah. two games there. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. he's certainly got that reputation now. I think he's he's famous for it up and down the country. Um, and the uh, Ill, ill-tempered behaviour sort of continued after that. Um, uh, uh, Ravel Morrison uh, did a slightly mistimed challenge and with, uh, his studs, I think, rolled off the ball and it made it look like an over-the-top challenge on Phillips in Canagle and he received a straight red which um, set off some more fireworks on the pitch, a bit more shoving and pushing and shoving and uh, argy-bargy. Samba was at it again for some reason. He came all the way out. 
it's quite comical looking at him. He, he was sort of standing there with uh, his arms held behind his back to show the referee that he wasn't doing anything while winding up every single Derby player within earshot. Um, but that sort of took the, <laughs> took the uh, uh, nerves up down to a slight edge and uh, Forrest held on to uh, another famous Derby Day victory. Um, I think it's 10 derbies now with Derby where they've been unable to beat us. And there's that Twitter account day since Derby Beater. Please check that out if you want to know the exact number of days. Um, but that, there were some more fisticuffs at the end, which will probably mean we'll both get fined 20 or £30,000 each. Derby obviously won't be able to pay that, so uh, we're, but we're, we're stuck we'll with that. Pay we'll, pay, we'll pay it for them. We'll pay it for them. And that leads nicely to my next question. What, what was the atmosphere like at today's game? Was it, was it a bit less... Um, acrimonious did, did, did the Forest fans show any sort of sympathy towards the Derby fans? <laughs> we had um, there, there was loads and loads of money just flying out of the stands onto the pitch, it was brilliant Ah <laughs> uh, yes, uh, the, the, for anybody who hasn't heard this, it, it wasn't real money it was uh, photocopied money I believe, yeah. so uh, don't get too excited um, and um, and what my favourite chant was, um, we're going to have a party when Derby County die. Oh, dear. <laughs> well, the milk of human kindness seems to run dry on the banks of the River Trent. Um, well, I, for one, hope they manage to pull out the mess. Uh, of course, yeah. We, we, we don't want them to die. We just want them to, to get relegated and then... Yeah, just wanted to go, we just want them to go into a coma, go into a coma not wake up for six years, yeah. and then come back... <laughs> And realise it was all a dream, um, something like that. Uh, but yeah, part of the uh, raison d'etre of being a Forest fan is the hatred of Derby. I'm not sure it sort of, over the last 20 or so years when we've had much to shout about, it's sort of come to help define us and uh, shape our season slightly. It's, it does have the uh, appearance sometimes of two bald men fighting over a comb uh, when we play Derby. <laughs> but... Um, it's it's all good fun in the end. Um, so, Forest win two one, and uh, we're looking good. Dare we be optimistic with two points? I think outside the playoffs, or we were after the uh, match. Is there a momentum building there for a promotion race, uh, Stephen? A playoff push? I think there's a chance. Of course, there is. When you when you're four points away, which I think is how it stands now after the the games at three o'clock kicked off and finished four points the gap with the best part of 20 games left to play absolutely the it's on and Forest have as good a chance as anybody in that top 10 top 12 of of breaking into the playoffs and quite a few of the teams around us who do have games in hand will be playing each other as well so there's potential for sides to be taking points off one another so very yeah, very confident about the, the end of the season. I'm not going to make any bold predictions that we are going to be in the playoffs for definite, but it's nice to be in that mix and in with a shout for the remaining third of the season or so. It's plenty to be excited about. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the business we've done early doors in, in the transfer window has certainly given us a boost um, and certainly we look stronger now than we did um, a month ago, um, we can talk about Davis now if you like. Well, what about Baz? What has he brought to the team in your eyes? Uh, well, so it was that thing. He, he's he played down the centre. He could receive the ball. He could hold it up. 
he was very, very strong and physical. And although at, at times it quite often looked like the ball was getting trapped under his feet and he didn't really know what to do with it, the fact is it's stuck. And that's been a problem for us is getting the ball to stick high up the pitch. And so even if he... So he gives us that focal point, which we've we've not had for a very, very long time. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I, I remember first match he played the Arsenal game. I, I was very impressed with his... Uh, touch and his hold-up play, and it, it really did, did, I think, add a new dimension to our play. Um, I think if we can keep hold of Brennan Johnson, I think, as as uh, Stephen said, we've got as good a chance as anybody. But I'm I'm just keeping my feet on the ground. We've been here <laughs> many, 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 many times before. So let's just uh, let's keep calm. But enjoy tonight. Forest won the derby game. And uh, we're back in action on Tuesday night with a home game against Barnsley, the match that was uh, suspe- uh, postponed due to COVID. And we'll be back with some form of match report uh, after Tuesday for that. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please leave a review and hit the subscribe button. Even if you didn't enjoy it, subscribe anyway. What else? You've got nothing to lose. So thanks for listening and we'll see you soon. Podcast Network. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that you know Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.